welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about reality TV contestants' pubic hair so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And this week, month, two-week section, uh, we've read I Didn't Come Here to Make Friends by Courtney Robertson, who was the winner and villain of a season of The Bachelor TV show. And with us this week, we have librarian and reality TV fan, Stacy. Hi. Hi, Stacy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, okay, I guess I want to get right in here and say that um, none of us has watched The Bachelor, although um, Stacy and I do watch a lot of other reality TV shows. And the reason um, I picked this book was mainly because um, Paul Shear um, really highly recommended it, um, who is uh, one of the hosts of the How Did This Get Made movie podcast, and he was very enthusiastic about this book, and so I figured it was probably a good one for us to read, and uh, Kate and Stacy can let me know how they feel about that opinion. Yeah, I I haven't, um, I like Renata said, I, I haven't seen The Bachelor, Um there are some reality TV shows that I'll watch. The Bachelor isn't one of them, and it's not like a snobbish, like, oh, God, I don't watch that. I really don't watch a lot of TV in general outside of my narrow scope of interest. Um, but, you know, you do you, whatever. I know a lot of people who watch The Bachelor. I don't have a problem with it. Um, that being said, I really kind of wanted this book to be a train wreck, and it wasn't. And I think I'm I'm almost disappointed by how decent I thought it was. Yeah, I'm going to say right up front, too. You said by Courtney Robertson, but it is, in fact, by Courtney Robertson with Deb Bayer. And I don't know who that lady is, but I think she probably deserves a lot of credit for turning, you know, Courtney Robertson's thoughts into a very readable book. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I, I think I had said to Renata at one point uh, on Twitter that I really wanted it to be either really terrible or really good, but instead it was just kind of like a normal book about a subject that I wasn't, like, super interested in. So I, I don't really have, you know, like, strong, angry opinions, except maybe, you know, and maybe this is also a credit to Deb Bear, like, kind of in defense of Courtney. Like, yeah, I kind of came time. away from it being like, you know, wow, life dealt you kind of a shitty hand on this show, but you seem to be handling it pretty well, so good job. Yeah, I was excited about reading this book because... Um, one of the things that is fascinating to me about reality television is how much seems to come out in post, how um, these storylines are constructed and they take you through this emotional journey. And sometimes I just wonder, you know, what's going on behind the scenes and how did things really play out chronologically? And even though I think at times it got a little exhaustive, the book definitely takes you through this chronological um, narration of what it was like being on this show and then you hear later how it all came out in the editing so it would be interesting to watch the the series now knowing how the timeline of events actually occurred and what was manufactured later 
Right. And like Stacy, I definitely was very interested in that, even though I have never seen this particular reality show. Um, there's been a couple times in my life where I've met people who worked in some capacity as, like, you know, editors and producers on reality television shows. And it was never any show that I had watched, but I was like, oh, re- like, okay, hang on. I don't care that we're at this party. You need to come in this corner with me and talk to me for two hours about, like, <laughs> what is Super Nanny like in real life? Or, like, how did you guys do the editing on um, that that sci-fi channel show about the makeup contest? I need to know everything, even though I've never seen it. And I don't really know why it's so interesting to me, but it definitely is. So um, in retrospect, uh, we probably should have gotten like another person who has actually watched The Bachelor to talk about it. But I think this book was really interesting to me, even though I, I have not seen uh, this show. Yeah, I. Um, it's funny, you know, you saying how you're not sure what what you find so fascinating about that. And... I think for me, at least, it was, you know, kind of growing up watching at the start of the big reality boom and watching stuff like, like the one that pops into my head is um, Trading Spaces from TLC, Mm -hmm. which I used to marathon all the time when I was in high school. And I remember being like really shocked hearing from people online like oh I went to the book signing of like the guy who's supposed to be mean and horrible on the show and like he's super nice and super chill and super cool and that was really the first time that it occurred to me like oh they're selling this to us as something that is like realistic and happening in real time and like just like real life and it's just as fake as scripted television and like it's it's an open secret everybody knows that it's fake but we all kind of act like it's not and that to me is what kind of grabs me and and is fascinating and is what makes me want to know you know what goes on behind the scenes because we go through this illusion that oh reality tv is is like cutting edge and and what's really happening in real life and you know gritty and and realistic and but we all everyone knows that that's not true right yeah with scripted tv you know what's fake because it's all fake and yeah it's also kind of like um you know everybody likes to watch magicians but everyone's like ooh, how do they do it like you know what's the secret and i think something about the behind the scenes of reality television taps into that same part of the brain maybe yeah yeah, and I, I also wonder, too, the people that choose to be on reality shows, whether they go in it into it with that same thought. And people usually go into it with some type of ambition, whether it's to fall in love, as Courtney, you know, claims she very genuinely was trying to do, or they're trying to win a competition or win a pile of money or pride or fame, which is probably what most people go in it for um and I I just sort of wonder too what is that thought process of how you're going to present yourself when you know that really you're going to the control is going to be taken out of your hands when an editor sits down and producers sit down with it and decide what to do with you because clearly Courtney whatever her agendas were they seem to be genuinely for love but maybe for the fame thing um that there seemed to be some backlash in how she was presented. 
Yeah. So um, maybe let's just uh, give a brief kind of overview of the book for um, those who haven't read it, which I assume is most people listening to this. I don't know. Um, But like we said, it is um, the story of Courtney Robertson, who was on season uh, 14, I think, of The Bachelor. Um, And it's sort of it starts off with kind of her life story a little bit. And then it like probably the second half of the book is just behind the scenes of her season of The Bachelor and then what happened afterward. And um, yeah, like she's, you know, apparently she's the villain. I did watch some clips and I could see where, you know, they the other girls did not like her at all. And of course it is her book and she did have this great ghostwriter apparently, but she seems pretty sympathetic. Like she's pretty funny. Um, she talks about how she um, had been a model and you know, was kind of trying to make it, um, but she had, um, she was unlucky in love, um, despite, uh, Jesse Metcalf from Desperate Housewives apparently being really into her, and, uh, oh, and the, some, some other, like, low-level celebrity was very... The guy who was on Entourage, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Adrian, uh, Adrian something. Yeah, Grenier. Yeah, I didn't want to say it. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> I'll I'll go out there with my fake French pronunciation and hope that that is how he says it. I don't know. Um, yeah, so it's that. And then her season of The Bachelor, um, she, in, in the book, she, you know, she says that she used to watch The Bachelor and she genuinely liked this guy who had been one of the, the losers, I guess, from the previous season of Bachelorette. So she already had seen him on TV and was kind of into him. And she just felt like after being, you know, screwed with by these... Uh, entourage stars and whatnot that she was ready for real love um, which she felt that she would find on television <laughs> and, and uh, yeah it's, and- it's really it's like kind of a tight focus you know like uh, it starts out with her early life but it's always a really tight focus on her romantic life mm-hmm. um, so you know the beginning about her growing up is mostly about her problems with boys and like when she loses her virginity and her first boyfriends and you know leading up to her desperation you know that none of these men who are strong presences in her life who have been in long-term relationships with her want to settle down and in fact several of them tell her to her face that they don't see themselves getting married or at least not married to her and she claims that that's what her driving force is for the bachelor is that she's decided she's committed to trying to find love and she also like it seems like she kind of well it seems like she writes that she she did it kind of on a whim that she was drunk and her sister had suggested it to her and she was so depressed that this guy had dumped her that she submitted her application and actually went through what I imagine was for the production team a very hair-pullingly frustrating back and forth where she thought it was a bad idea and pulled herself out and then resubmitted herself and then pulled herself out again and then resubmitted herself until finally they were like, we've already selected all the girls. Like, this is your last chance. If you don't do it now, we're done. And, you know, obviously she ended up doing it and uh, ended up on The Bachelor. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, she also talks, I would say, a fair amount about her modeling career. Um, She started modeling as a teenager with Abercrombie and Fitch. And she, I feel like, um, wants to make the reader um, know that 
her career as a model was established. She was successful. She was living off of that as um, a steady source of income because uh, one thing that she foreshadows with Ben, the, the, the bachelor, was that there were rumors foreshadowing that he was on there to promote his winery and she was later accused of being on it to promote her modeling career or something. So it seems like she was sort of laying out that for people to know. Mm-hmm. And I think she also, because, you know, on this show, I guess the other girls kind of run her case about being a model. And I think she sort of wanted everyone to know, like, oh, I'm a model, but I'm not like, you know, a dumb model. You know, like I worked hard and like, um, you know, whatever did this, you know, had all these career moves. Um, and I think one thing that I found really interesting throughout the book is she talks about how her mom was like, super feminist and like didn't you know um want the kid her daughters to date um and you know she seemed like really strict to them and then um courtney taught like she has all these anecdotes and i'm not sure if she means to or not but it seems to me like a lot of her anecdotes are sort of like proving the need for feminism (laughs) like she talks about being like a teenage abercrombie model and she says she's not comfortable with nudity and then she gets fired uh, like immediately and then on her next shoot she's like well then I learned my lesson like don't say no to nudity and then she like kind of like like Stenner knows that other girls who do say no to nudity and it's like actually like maybe if you're a, like a teenage model for a clothing company like maybe you should be allowed to keep the clothes on I don't know yeah it's um she seems to have a really I mean she never I don't think she ever uses the word feminism but she, I thought she did for her mom. She might have. She has like a very interesting relationship with it as a concept. And obviously, I don't expect everyone in the world to be as knowledgeable about feminism as people like us who spend a lot of time on the internet caring about social justice sort of stuff. But like, on one hand, yeah, she says a lot of things that are, you know, oh, you know, they wouldn't, they, they fired her from modeling because she was nude and about, like, losing weight and what her body looks like and, you know, like, all the clothes that she feels like she needs to buy and all, like, how she doesn't feel complete without having a boyfriend. But at the same time, like, she's very, like, protective of herself and her identity and her ability to do what she wants and be who she is without people, but specifically men, changing her. Like, she doesn't... She gets angry at her boyfriends when they try to influence, like, the way that she is, the way that her personality and her, like, personal style and her lifestyle are. And, you know, that... I I feel like that's kind of, like her own sort of brand of feminism in a different way. You know, she's very, she, she doesn't really see herself as less than equal to men, but at the same time, like has some kind of toxic ideas about her relationship to other women at times and other, Mm -hmm. at other times she doesn't, it's, you know, (laughs) 
Yeah, and I mean, I was flipping through. You're, I didn't see the word feminism in my flip through. So maybe she does call her mom a man hater. That's the term she uses. <laughs> um, but the first chapter, I mean, right off the bat, she talks about like learning how to masturbate, and she's like very upfront about you know wanting her own sexual pleasure. So you go, Courtney. Good for you. Um, which I guess we can segue into talking about. Um, how she describes her time in The Bachelor and how, I mean, it sounds insane. Like, I, after reading this, like, number one life lesson is definitely do not apply to be on The Bachelor, which, I mean, I, I guess I wasn't really close to doing that anyway, but definitely <laughs> not after this. But, um, yeah, she talks about how, you know, they they all live together and there's, you know, all these women and the one man and how they, you know, she had kind of engineered things to be able to have time alone with Ben so they could have sex. And then everyone was like, oh, like, you're such a slut. But, I mean, they're all on this show to try to, like, get proposed to by this guy. Like, yeah, she, all... she presents it as, like, a sensible option, and I can't help but agree. Yeah, I mean, I don't know a ton about reality TV, but I know that the point is pretty much to win. And that the point of The Bachelor seems to be to win this guy's affection. And from my perspective, as someone who hasn't necessarily watched the show, I mean, and also, obviously, it's from her perspective, so it's skewed anyway. But, you know, it seems like she is doing stuff to try best, that she seems genuinely like Ben, and that she's trying her best to get to know him and get a chance to spend time with him so that she is in the best position to win the game and win his affection and his proposal. And the other women, you know, again, this is from her perspective, seem to, like, really demonize her and get angry not only with her, but with any other one of them who ends up in that position of being able to get close to him. And... Like, past the point of, like, oh, I'm so angry that she's going to get a better chance at winning Ben than I am, and more towards, like, like, she's a genuinely terrible, hateful person because she's trying to win the game we're all playing. Right. It seemed like to the other women on the show, like, they viewed it as kind of one of those, like, hippie um, co-op board games where, like, everyone wins, and or or everyone loses together, and it's, like... You know, do they think the end point is, like, they all end up in some kind of polyamorous marriage with Ben where everyone, <laughs> you know, they're all sister wives and each of them gets their own day with Ben? Like, I would watch that show. I actually would, too. <laughs> actually, I, I mean, I think that probably is a show already. Like, well, Sister Wives that. is a show, right? It's probably, like, like this. <laughs> um, and the other, the other um, kind of interesting thing about this, too, is that one of the things that kind of made me like Courtney more and sort of root for her as the book went on is that she was like very upfront about her behavior on the show. Mm-hmm. As she goes through the book, she describes like certain things that she says and certain things that she does that she says, and I have to believe again, not not being a part of the media storm that came after the season of The Bachelor, that these are things that she goes on to be notorious for once the show airs. And a good deal of the time, she says things like, yeah, I I said that, and it was really off the cuff, and it was rude, and I shouldn't have said it. But, you know, I did. 
or, you know, other times and not as frequently, you know, she'll be like, oh, yeah, I said that in, pri you know, private to someone and I didn't expect it to be repeated on camera and things like that. But generally, she really owns up to the things that she says and doesn't try to make excuses and like honestly says like, yeah, I was really angry and I was really upset with that woman. So I said that mean thing and I probably shouldn't have, but I did. And what can you do? One thing, though, that it made me wonder is, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't she say early on in the book that she never um, had that many female friends? Am I making that up? That she was more of a... No, yeah, you're right. She describes herself as, like, yeah. a, a tomboy and, like, yeah. you know, hang out with the, and, one of the guys. And and I, I, I want to say, like, this sort of reminds me something that comes up kind of in internet uh articles i internet articles <laughs> forgive that but um this idea of women um hating each other for lack of a better way to put it just um sort of being in competition with one another i mean clearly this is this show is very obviously women in competition with one another but she says from the beginning that the the women made her feel alienated and i i totally agree with the idea that she um, you know, makes herself likable and does own up to the things that she did. But part of me sort of wonders why she was that other. Was it because she was trying to win this game? Or is there something within female friendship culture that they saw her as the biggest threat because she was, you know, this beautiful model? And I sort of suspect that was one of the reasons she was able to come in and in and out of the casting of the show was because she was a beautiful model that would pose a big threat to the group. I don't know. I was just wondering if, you know, that was sort of the dynamic going on. I mean, yeah. two two things. Like, um, you, you said female friendship culture, but, like, they're not, it's not like they're existing friends. Like, they're all a bunch of strangers. So, I mean, but they yeah. became friends. Some of them became friends. Yeah. Well, and Courtney had her friends, too. Um, yeah. Also, one of the things that she says right off the bat is that she was, like, the one of the last people to join the group. That she was, what, like the second to last person or the last person to have her That's introduction right. to Ben. Mm -hmm. So by the time she got into the room, like, she makes a, a comment about how she's looking around um, the room and everybody is already in little cliques and already talking and she feels awkward. And, like, the very first thing she hears is someone being like, oh, my God, you're a model. Mm. And... So I can I can kind of see like I absolutely am not defending her <laughs> defending her. I mean I kind of am. I was gonna say I think we're all I think we're all team Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> you know like I can I I do think because that that was a red flag for me too at the beginning when she's like oh yeah I was a person who never had a lot of girlfriends because girls have so much drama and I was like oh dear God I hope this isn't a whole book of I'm not like other girls I'm a cool girl but. <laughs> You know, like, the way at least she presented her first meeting with these women. And the thing that got me, too, was, and again, like, who knows if this is true. This is just a thing that she said. But how, like, they were all drunk all the time, well, except for her and a couple other people. And how it was the season of The Bachelor with the biggest liquor budget ever. And and that is generally a thing. Like I said, I do love, like, behind-the-scenes stuff for reality shows. And I've heard that that's true of, like, pretty much all reality shows is, like, off-camera. They try to have the contestants drink a lot because, you know, it makes them more likely to say dumb shit that makes good TV. 
Um, and also, like, intent, like, it's a little bit like torture. Like, they also, um, reality show, TV show producers always say that they try to keep the contestants sleep deprived for, like, the same reason. So I totally bought that all the, and that the other girls would get drunk a lot because I think they really are pushing them toward that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really horrifying. <laughs> Yep. And I also, from hearing about reality TV culture, there's a lot of strategy involved with allying yourself with people. Not that these girls were maybe deliberately doing that, but it just, it sort of makes the experience easier if you have your group of allies. And it could have been a ganging up against her sort of thing. Oh my God, we are such Courtney defenders. This is getting, <laughs> this is getting a little disgusting. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, then again, we, we do have to, you know, know that we are hearing it all from her perspective, not even having seen the show. And I'm just curious, Renata and I were saying um, up until, you know, finishing the book, how we went onto YouTube and watched clips of uh, Courtney on The Bachelor and other things. And I have to say that once I saw some of the clips that were of things that she described I did have a moment where I was like huh maybe I'm a little less on her side but I didn't know how much of that was being manufactured to me or what but oh yeah I mean if you watch the clips I mean she definitely looks like a stone cold bitch but I I mean reading it I really felt like um I was (laughs) missing something by not knowing who these people were um because she would constantly like talk about them and reference things that would happen on the show and I was really getting the impression that this book was mostly marketed at like hardcore bachelor fans who'd be like oh my god yeah I totally remember that time that so and so (laughs) did that and where I was mostly Mm -hmm. like trying to keep all of the women straight and really wishing (laughs) that I knew what they looked like yep she hated KCB right yeah (laughs) yeah remember that we we don't like KCB Lindsay was seem neutral yeah (laughs) And and then Lindsay was going on to be a future Bachelorette contestant. Is that right? I think so. Oh, this is awful. Anyone who listens to this who actually watches The Bachelor is going to hate this. Yeah. Um, send your angry tweets to at Worst Bestseller with no S. <laughs> actually, send yeah. the angry tweets to Worst Bestsellers with an S. We don't want to read them. <laughs> but what... Another thing, I mean, I guess speak. I, I guess I brought it up in saying that one of the candidates, candidates, contestants, went on to continue being on the show. In another iteration, what was interesting to me near the end of the book, where she starts talking about this crazy culture of because they have all these spinoffs, the Bachelor mm-hmm. Pad, and then the two different Bachelor Bachelorettes. That there's this real incestual group of people. Um, that come off of these shows and it creates this little community. And I can totally buy that just from like knowing the things that I'm into and like the things like the different like fandoms and like even just different conventions that I go to and knowing like, okay, well there's this group of people, like we all, we all come, we've all gone to this thing together, but now like, we're all broken off into there's that group of people and this group of people and there's like secret drama and gossip and <laughs> like so I, I can 100% buy that and that I, I find that part I want I want all the secrets of Bachelor Nation yeah I want to know all the gossip <laughs> yes. I don't even watch the show but my desire for gossip is 
Exactly. And that that's the appeal of this book, um, 100%, is just... Because that um, that is one thing that made me tear through this book so quickly, even though, like I said, I don't... Before this, I didn't know who Courtney Roberts was. She's not, like, a household name to me. But I just... She's so, like, seemingly honest. Like, she it has a very confessional tone. It seems like she's... You know, even though it's obviously a mass-produced book that was, like, you know, on the bestsellers, like, whatever. But it kind of feels like you're stealing her diary and, like, reading all these, like, secret thoughts. And I loved it. (laughs) Um, One thing that came up to me, though, while it was this sort of confessional and we're hearing about, you know, the – her – intestinal issues on the show and, you know, and the state of her laundry and all sorts of things like that. Um, Tell me if you had a different perception of this, but I sort of felt that she did a very artful job of not um, saying bad things about ABC or the production crew or anything like she does pepper in the stuff like there's there was a lot of alcohol we were tired we were all living together but there's I don't think there's ever any blatant accusatory tone about it, which I thought was interesting as to why she kept it that way, because she really could have gotten super dirty with it, I imagine. I don't know. She might have got her ass sued by ABC. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, she signed a huge contract. I She described this contract that she signed, and because she decided very last minute to finally do it, she didn't even read it. She just initialed the corners of the page really fast. And I imagine, like, did a lawyer have to go through that contract before she could even embark upon writing this book? I would know so. Yeah, and yeah. what she could and couldn't say. So there is a part of me that's like, yes, it felt very like behind the scenesy, but I couldn't help but just be like, feel like something is being held back here. But I, I mean, I just... think it's it's probably a combination of like legal ramifications from that gigantic contract, and also she does seem to be pretty. Like, even when she's not talking about ABC, when she talks about places that she modeled for, like, different mentors that she had, she always seems to be really professional. Yeah, very diplomatic, very professional. Like, even when she talks about how she came to LA and she signed with the same modeling agency that she was in in Arizona, and she realized she wasn't getting a lot of work. Like, even when she talks about switching modeling agencies, like, she makes it a point to be like, oh, but my agent at that other agency was so great and was 100% behind my move. Like, I think that it's probably a combination of you know, ABC not letting her say bad things about them and her being smart enough and savvy enough to know that if she wants to work for these Mm -hmm. people or get references from them or network with them again, she needs to be on their good side. Yeah, the same strategies that got her as the winner of The Bachelor probably are a lot of the reasons why she's been successful in modeling and the entertainment industry. She's a finnick, not a Katniss. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> and the Hunger Games does come up as an analogy that she uses. Yeah, in, which, uh, I mean, you almost, yeah, yeah it's, it's inevitable. Of course. Um, with that, uh, why don't we transition into our dramatic reading so you guys can uh, hear firsthand some of Courtney's confessions. Ooh. All right, sounds good. Um, so like we were saying, the whole beginning of the book is 
like the first couple chapters are her detailing like blow by blows of her first sexual encounters her first like experiences with boys in much more detail than was really entirely necessary (laughs) oh you loved it (laughs) Um, so this this first bit that we're gonna read is and i I actually i do have to say i do kind of admire her zeal she -hmm. reaches a point in her teenagehood where she decides that she's tired of being the virgin with the unibrow and that she's gonna get some (laughs) sexual experience Mm -hmm. and like goes for it she like meets a guy and is like let's make out and makes out with him and then like meets another guy and is like, um, I'm going to give you a blowjob and you're going to teach me how to give better blowjobs. And like essentially keeps finding guys and just Foreshadowing. like. Foreshadowing. <laughs> what her, her goal is for them sexually using them and moving on. Um, so the, the first bit that we're going to read is uh, when she has sex for the first time after deciding that this guy, Jono, is going to be her, her um, take her virginity from her by deciding that because he's very sensitive and she doesn't think that he'll brag about it. So it's safe for her to start sleeping with him. And she decides to do so by luring him into skinny dipping with her at a public pool party. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and then, I'm going to... Uh- and yeah, and then, oh, I was going to say, and then what you're going to read is her telling her friends about it afterwards. Uh, so I'm going to read Courtney, and Renata and Stacy are going to read Courtney's friends. I think I just had sex. You think? What do you mean you think? Are you sore? Yeah. Then you had sex. The drought was officially over. I was no longer a virgin. And which, I sidebar, I feel like this excerpt is just a really good argument for why we need better sex ed in schools. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one thing she talked about with her mother. As much as her mother was like uh, a man-hater, to use her words, she also complained about how her mother withhold any sort of sexual education from her as well. But whatever. <laughs> take, that, take that how you will. American story. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read. This happens very shortly after that, where um, after she's lost her virginity and she's, um, you know, playing the field a little bit, um, but she has a problem, and I will tell you what that is. Jono was my sad-eyed fuck buddy, but I was totally infatuated with Chris. Chris wasn't so infatuated with my relationship with Jono or my gigantic bush. After he put his <laughs> after he put his hands on my pants during the movie Shrek, he made a stink face and said, Whoa, and requested that I tame the beast. But Jono liked the big bush and didn't want me to shave. What was a girl to do? I stole my dad's razor, popped a fresh blade in, and did a hatchet job somewhere in the middle. <laughs> And Catch that's like in in a nutshell like what I liked about this book. Like it's so uh you know, she's putting it all out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I selected a, a quote that I felt sort of encapsulated the whole Hunger Games analogy that she brings up. So this is when, uh, during one of the, I think early on in the chronology of The Bachelor taping and um, you know for anyone who's seen a dating show certain contestants will win 
a, a one-on-one date with the bachelor and so there's a lot of um sturm and drang that goes on <laughs> when when another contestant is off with the bachelor and how that feels from the other end so from our hotel room we saw fireworks going off and we knew they were for ben and emily it was like the cannons going off in the hunger games except i knew emily was making out not being harpooned with a bow and arrow this whole experience felt eerily similar to the hunger Games so far we were fighting to the death for ben and I thought that was hilarious because she she brings in this whole Hunger Games analogy, and I remember thinking that um, to me, what what I take away from the Hunger Games is less the competition element and more the fact of that it's a reality TV thing. And uh, I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity where she could have brought up the fact that the the Hunger Games is a reality show, not just a, a competition. Yeah, that it's but anyway. manufactured to. Uh, entertain and terrify the populace. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just like the and, and I and I just when I was reading this, I totally when I when I typed it up, I didn't notice this, but just now being harpooned with a bow and arrow. Can you be harpooned with a bow and arrow? <laughs> Isn't that like a, a trident or something? I mean, if your bow has a harpoon arrow, then yes. <laughs> I suppose so. I just was like, wait a second. It just depends what you pull out of the cornucopia, Stacey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. The other, like, weird things in the book kind of peppered throughout um, Courtney's reminiscence about The Bachelor and her life is there are these, like, weird little asides and lists that she puts together or has other contributors put together, people in her family other people who were on The Bachelor before, and they're just kind of like plucked into the middle of the the text, which I like. What's going I, I on? I thought. Um, I think that's another reason why the book read so fast. Like it's honestly just kind of like a very long magazine article, <laughs> and then these are all your little like sidebar stories. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna read a couple of those. Uh, Renata, do you want to read? Um... Yeah. Um, so mine is uh, compiled by Sherry Robertson, Courtney's man-hating mom. Courtney introduces this by saying, Hey there, Bachelor fans. I've asked my family, friends, and your favorite members of Bachelor Nation to offer up tips, tricks, advice on life, love, and reality TV. Be on the lookout for insider info, confessions, and blind items as my journey to love unfolds. Let's kick it off with the woman whose advice means the most, my mom. So that's, yeah, that's introducing the concept that this book is peppered with random little asides like this. So, my mom on men. Never marry a guy with an ass smaller than yours. Never marry a guy who lets you pick up the check. Never marry a man with a pageboy haircut. Learn to love football if you want to see your husband. Do not wear strong perfume. Men hate that. Nothing good ever happens between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Marry someone with a nice last name, not Horn or Dick. Marry someone who loves you more than you love him. Never marry a man with intentions of changing him. You have your whole life to let a man screw it up. Thank you for that, Courtney's mom. And then a little later on, um, here's one, uh, The Perfect Packing List for The Bachelor by Jacqueline Swartz, who I think was a contestant in a previous season. And this is what Jacqueline has to say about packing for The Bachelor. When I first got the call that I would be on The Bachelor, my first question was, what the hell do I pack? 
Well, after, who is going to dye my hair and paint my nails? So really, the third question. I was so excited to show off my killer wardrobe that I knew would be juxtaposed with at least 17 Hooters waitresses and NBA dancers. The rules were very clear in that you are only allowed to bring two checked bags. But since I was sure I was going to get to hometown dates, I brought seven. (laughs) About $550 in baggage fees later, I'm going to give you a list of crucial things to pack. One, 10 rose ceremony dresses at least. Night one dresses are the most important. Go short. Show some leg, you prudes. Two, bring the sequins, but leave your glue-gunned plastic crystal pageant dresses at home. One Jamie Otis was enough. Three, fake lashes. I didn't bring these because I literally don't know, didn't know how to do makeup before I went on this show. Big mistake. Huge. Four. 1,000 bikinis. You will end up wearing these in freezing cold tundras while ice skating and performing weird plays, so stock up. Five. Light jackets that are fitted and casual cute. It gets cold at night on dates when you aren't in your bikini, and I would never be caught dead in a cardigan, unlike everyone that I personally, Caitlin, know in the world. Six. I'm wearing a cardigan right now. Me too. (laughs) I took mine off. (laughs) I was so ashamed. (laughs) Six. Accessories, accessories, accessories. Chances are a top you bring will look like another girl's top. So don't you want so don't you want to win at the game and accessorize your look? Toodles loser, I got my one on one. Seven. Sunglasses. Just kidding, you aren't allowed to wear these on camera. But don't worry. If you are on this show, you won't need those to hide your ugly face. Chances are you're pretty, so congrats. And eight, hair products and hair tools up the wazoo. Come prepared, but if you bring moose for crunchy curls, I will definitely be making fun of you. A lot. That all sounds very helpful to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Between those, that those are the rules on how to be the perfect woman, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Life well, it's a set. good thing I'm try- not trying to net a man then, because I would be screwed. <laughs> Yeah, are there any like are there any LGBT dating shows like this? I think I remember like a million years ago there was one on Bravo that but it was just dudes. It wasn't ladies. It was like I think it was literally called Boy Meets Boy. Mm. Oh, I can chime in on this. This is why I'm the reality TV person brought in. Um there was Tila Tequila on MTV. Oh, you're right. She is bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it used to be on Netflix. I watched it a couple years ago. Um, it was called, I think it was called Trans American Love Story, where the lead of it was Calpurnia Adams, who is a trans woman. And there were, um, there were only men, male contestants. But, um, as far as I know, I want to say, and then there's, uh, you know, there's all those MTV dating shows, the one where they, Oh, I forget what it's called, but there, there, there is one that's queer oh. friendly. Yeah, do you? Yeah, remember? we're like, yeah. Each episode is like one day, and I forget what it's called too. But I remember I've, yeah, yeah. And I want to say, and then I also think that there was like the date my mom, date my dad, franchise or date my mom. I think was what it was, and they also had um, queer contestants or who whatever you want to call them no I don't mean the queer part I mean the contestant part (laughs) on the the show um so I don't think it's that 
rare, but I don't know that there is a very strong presence of something as big as The Bachelor and The Bachelorette where they do that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess um, not yet. Guess I'll have to stick to the secret in ChristianMingle.com for now. <laughs> Again, uh, this podcast is definitely brought to you by ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> <laughs> And with that in mind, uh, let's switch up now to Would You Rather. And uh, would you rather be the Bachelorette or be one of the contestants on The Bachelor or if they ever do Lesbian Bachelorette? I guess. I think I would have to say that I would rather be the Bachelorette um, because I don't think I would be a very good contestant. Um, I think I'd be kicked off very quickly because I am really weird with girls that I like. So I imagine that there would be a whole bunch of other, like, really assertive, like, queen bee type dykes who were, like, going for it. And I, unfortunately, would not be one of them and would probably be kicked off. And I also love judging people. Mm-hmm. So getting to like judge 14 people and or 18 or however many would also be appealing to me. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree. I'd, I'd much rather be the bachelorette because, well, clearly in the story that is constructed about you, you are the hero of the story. So... Hopefully, nothing's going to be set up to make you look bad, and you can um, make make the decisions. You can send you can send your date sushi. I thought that was funny. There was one part where it said Ben sent us sushi, right? And I was like, Yeah, Ben sent you sushi. Right. And, well, and the you know the bachelor, like whoever is the sought after one, gets to pick what the dates are, which seems fun. Um, although I guess you know Courtney was complaining that Ben picked all these like like skydiving and shit, and she he didn't really have any like normal dates at all. Netflix dates, yeah, most right. boring season of The Bachelorette, the lesbian Bachelorette ever. <laughs> um, I I do have to say I think I would rather be one of the contestants though personally. Um, I here here's some real talk in the South Courtney like. I tend to get, like, really nervous, like, when guys like me too much, like, right off the bat. I'm like, oh, like, what's wrong with you that you like me so much? Like, what's <laughs> happening here? So that would be, you know, like, I don't know how many, like, 12 guys who are all like, oh, like, I definitely want to marry you, like, on our first date. I'd be like, oh, no. Like, you- <laughs> none of you. <laughs> so... <laughs> So oh, I would rather be one of the ones competing. And I, again, I, I wouldn't be that good at it either, but I would be kind of okay to be on there and maybe, you know, probably say something bitchy that would go viral and then I would get sent home and then, you know, I would probably be fine with that, to be honest. I mean, I just go on the show to promote my library. <laughs> <laughs> I would just, I'm just on there to promote my my line of podcast. <laughs> yeah. <which> is, <laughs> Like, whenever it's, like, my day, I'm like, how about if we just, like, sit in a room and listen to this podcast (laughs) that I'm a co-host of? (laughs) Absolutely. Do you guys want to look at pictures of my cat? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, So, assuming that you were one of the contestants, or would you rather marry Courtney or marry Ben? Courtney. 
Yeah, definitely Courtney, and not just because Ben has a penis. Right, I was gonna say, like, I'm straight, and I would rather marry Courtney. Um, Ben seems like a D-bag. And a cheater. And a cheater. Although Courtney is also kind of. Not to Ben, but in her earlier days. In her earlier, yeah. Courtney knows how to please a lady. We, We know that. Yep, yep. Yeah, Ben just, you know, once I went to YouTube, I was like, this is the guy they're fighting for. He just looks like not a desirable candidate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave Plus, it at like, that. Her whole thing where he, all he cares about, like he has to go everywhere with like 25 of his friends and like doesn't, I'm needy. I need people to pay attention to me. I can't deal with his like, oh, I know it's Valentine's Day, but uh, I forgot to text you until 11 o'clock at night. Like, I don't even care about Valentine's Day, and I would be pissed. Mm-hmm. So, Courtney at least seems to be attentive, not just with Ben, but in generally in her relationships. If she's into a dude, she's into him. Mm-hmm. And I need someone to be into me. Yeah, pl- you know, plus she's a model, and so maybe sometimes you could get to go, you know, travel with her to her, you know, her nude photo shoots in Italy or, like, whatever she's doing. Yeah, yeah, that too. Lots of, lots of pros here. Mm-hmm. Plus, now there's this book royalty money coming in. So. Right, right. Sugar mama. <laughs> <laughs> um, last up, I think we may have already kind of answered this, but uh, would you rather be friends with Courtney or any of the other bachelorettes as described in this book? I am going to come down on Courtney just because I feel like, you know, like I said, like she really kind of won me over with the book. And... Also, but I mean, at the same time, it's weird because like, I remember early on, she was talking about like the one like quiet, nervous girl who told nerdy jokes and was like an epidemiologist. Mm -hmm. And then that girl ended up being really mean to her and like really terrible and like threw a fit and stuff. And I don't know. I mean, we do again have to keep in mind like all the drinking and stress. So yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of, I feel like I don't know enough about any of the other ones except for Courtney's BFFs, but, you know, I could be friends with Courtney. Yeah, I'd like to say that I wouldn't fall into the fray and be, you know, the the pack of wolves teaming up against the other person. So, I'd like to say that I'd be fairly diplomatic (laughs) in um, being friends with Courtney, too. Who was, um, I think probably the one that I would be most likely to be friends with, though, is, like, the one girl who was Courtney's friend, who, like, uh, what was her name? Um, was it also Casey, but spelled differently? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, not Casey B, it was the one who's a B, and then regular Casey, I think, yeah, was the one who was friends with her. She, I mean, obviously, as described by Courtney, her only friend, seemed, like, pretty chill, and, like, you know, she wasn't, uh... She didn't really give a shit about Ben, which I think I would admire and like to be a friend. But I can barely remember her name, so obviously we're not that good of fake friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, next up we have the Breeders' Advisory, where we tell you guys um, some books that you should read either in addition to or instead of. I didn't come here to make friends. Which, by the way, I 100% think that you should read I didn't come here to make friends. Um, especially, I guess, if you like The Bachelor, but honestly, even if you didn't, I'm gonna go ahead and give this my seal of approval. 
Yeah, I I had no problem with this. Like, it's not necessarily something that I would pick up on my own. Mm-mm. But, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It made me think a lot about what goes behind the scenes of reality TV and kind of makes me want to know more. So, props. Yeah, I, I also would recommend it too, especially if you are a fan of pop culture. She definitely plays to that. There are a lot of good little references in there that are fun to um, read about, and it's really quick to get through. Mm-hmm. Read that in your next long flight. I yeah. Say. But in addition to that, um, one that I would really strongly recommend um, is that you read, and no matter what, I think you should read Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay. Um, I loved it. It's an essay collection, and if you are listening to this, you probably already know who Roxane Gay is, but, <laughs> you know, she's a writer um, and academic, and, um, you know, she's very active on Twitter and Tumblr, and she has a lot of really thoughtful things to say about pop culture and feminism and race, and um, Bad Feminist, she has several essays in there that talk about reality television and, like, why she enjoys it and what she doesn't enjoy about it, and now I don't remember if she specifically talks about The Bachelor or not, but... You know, she she might. Um, I have a couple that I, like I said, I really liked this book, so it was kind of hard. And I liked it, and it was also outside my wheelhouse, so there weren't a lot of things that I could think of that were similar that I could recommend. Um, but I kind of went off the whole constructed reality and dealing with the media um, part of it. So my two recommendations would be, um, first off, The Order, written by Matt Fraction with art by Barry Kitson, which is a comic from Marvel Comics. It's collected into two trade paperbacks. And the idea is that it takes place during the Marvel Civil War, which, if you don't know what that is, short story, short version, um, the government decided that all superheroes should be regulated and um, essentially tracked by the government. And that they were going to start their own government-sanctioned superhero teams. And the Order chronicles the adventures of one particular um, government-sanctioned and created team that's run by Pepper Potts and uh, Henry Hellrung, who is an actor who played Tony Stark on television within the Marvel Universe. It's really good. It's really interesting. Um, It deals a lot with the... um, ramifications of being put in the spotlight like that and uh, I really like it and then um, going in kind of the other direction entirely basically any book by Christopher Buckley um, uh, Thank You for Smoking is the big one that he's mostly known for but uh, Florence of Arabia That's No Way to Treat a First Lady Um, his books all kind of deal with politics and the media and how the media views the world specifically in the political arena through that lens and how to manipulate it. Yeah, um, I I don't know that I contributed necessarily to this list, but while a lot of the times while I was reading the book, I couldn't help but think of, um, I'm a huge fan, as I know Renata is as well, of RuPaul's Dry Grace. Mm-hmm. And not only is it in my opinion, the best reality show on television. Um, RuPaul, in general, as um, is a very um, 
insightful, spiritual, philosophical person. And a lot of what RuPaul talks about is the construction that occurs in the entertainment industry um, and in life in general and how, you know, the representation of gender as through the art of drag and all sorts of things like that. So if you are interested in the idea of all this construction and stuff, um, I would recommend um, anything affiliated with RuPaul. I'm not going to say all these. We'll post the list on worstbestsellers.com per usual. One TV show that I would recommend in addition to RuPaul's Drag Race, which, as Stacy said, is the best uh, reality television show. And this is the second podcast in a row that I've put RuPaul in Reader's Advisory. And maybe I'll just do it every time because I feel like RuPaul is always relevant. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I would also really recommend the television show Burning Love, which is a parody reality show, and it's um, specifically a parody of The Bachelor. And it's one of those, I kind of want to watch The Bachelor now just so that I can better understand Burning Love. But even um, without having seen it, it's still very funny. Um, you know, a lot of comedians I really like her in it. In the first season, um, Ken Marino is The Bachelor, and then just tons of... Um, lady comedians who I like are competitors. Um, Kristen Bell is on it. Um, June Diane Raphael. You know, like, everybody. And it's it's just super insightful and funny. I dig it. Book-wise, The Hunger Games is an obvious one. Like, we talked about that. Courtney talks about it. You've probably already read The Hunger Games, but just in case you haven't, uh, give it a try. It's pretty popular. Um, <laughs> another, another one that um, has really good behind-the-scenes info uh, is The Disaster Artist by Greg Sestero, which, um, if you don't know, he is one of the co-stars of The Room, which is one of the worst movies of all time. And The Disaster Artist is, is his behind-the-scenes um, look at how that movie got made. I highly recommend it, um, even if you haven't seen The Room, but you should also probably watch The Room, to be honest. <laughs> if you live in a moderately to regular size sit I don't know where I'm going with that a city with a population there might be regular viewings of it in a theater that might show uh cult movies like Rocky Horror Picture Show yeah if you live near other humans check it right out. <laughs> probably a college town or a larger city all right let's um like I said there'll be more info per usual at worstbestsellers.com you can get all the deets on what we recommend to you but let's move on now to our candy pairing where we suggest a candy that goes along with this book in the way that you might have a fine wine recommended to you at a restaurant <laughs> and I will suggest cotton candy um I really like it uh, if I'm not careful I'll just like eat a whole bag of it like the one time a year that I have access to cotton candy and then afterwards I feel a little gross about it but pretty enjoyable. Uh, Going in the same vein I recommend it gummy bears which are something that again like Renata I you know kind of like they're pretty good but if I don't pay attention I eat the whole bag and then I don't feel well. Uh, I went with candy corn on this because it has this really inexplicable appeal to it. And like the previous candies, you just keep eating it and you're not really quite sure why. So uh, no matter how you slice it, um, pick up this book and then read all of it and then feel gross. (laughs) (laughs) But in a good way. In a good way. (laughs) It'll cure cure your sweet tooth. Right. Um, All right. So what do what do we think the moral of this story is? Ooh. I said it was play the game, don't let it play you. 
Additionally, um, would you say that you should hate the player or hate the game, Stacey? Ooh, I would say don't hate the player. Hate the game that the player is playing. <laughs> and also hate Ben, probably. But, yeah, also be, yeah. but also be really good at playing the game. <laughs> Play to win. Um, I would say that my moral is that Apparently, some people who go on reality TV have never actually seen reality TV before or even read the Wikipedia page for the show before they started it. So watch out for that if you find yourself on a reality television program. Well, I'm just blind, Kate. Love is blind. <laughs> and illiterate, I guess. <laughs> Love is Rob Lowe. <laughs> uh, my moral of this story is fuck the patriarchy. I'm oh, out. <laughs> okay um now is normally the time when we have duarte's corner where i give um some opinion space to my cat but stacy is a fellow cat lady and duarte has decided to cede his time to her cat delilah so um we'll turn now to delilah's corner Wow, it sounded like she really liked it. I agree, Delilah. Great job. Good to know that we're all on the same page. Thanks, Delilah. (laughs) Hey there, Delilah. Thanks for joining. (laughs) All right. And now, uh, does any human have any closing thoughts about I didn't come here to make friends? Um, You know, just same as before. It's uh, a surprisingly readable book. If you're at all interested in the inner workings of reality TV, I would definitely say it's worth your time. Yeah, and um, if anyone out there has watched The Bachelor, especially this season, um, I would 100% love to hear your thoughts about this, like how you feel about Courtney without having read the book. Um, Please email us at worstbestsellers at gmail.com, or like I said, tweet to us at worstbestseller with no S at the end, your specific thoughts about that. Stacey, what do you got for closing thoughts? I I totally agree. I think it's worth a read. Um, And I also think my um, uh, experience was diminished by not having seen The Bachelor. I felt I could jump right into it, and I enjoyed it. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Stacey. Um, By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow me on Twitter at 14across. And you can follow me at snurdy. And I recommend that you do so. Um, You can also, as you probably know if you're listening to this, but uh, you can find us online at worstbestsellers.com where we have reading lists and other podcast episodes. You can subscribe to us in iTunes. And if you are listening to us in iTunes, please do um, leave a review Um, If we get a high enough average rating, then we will transcend this mortal plane and gain wings. And we would really like to do that. It's true. I've always wanted to fly and spit on people I don't like from above. (laughs) Such as Ben. (laughs) Yes. Um, Join us two weeks from now when we'll be reading Scavenger Hunt by Christopher Pike. Should be a lot of fun. Very exciting. I'm totally stoked for this Halloween read. (laughs) All right, well, thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.